How are you guys doing? Welcome over here to the channel. You guys can tell I'm by myself. My partner in crime is actually tying up some loose ends. You guys will see him part-time over the next month or so. Starting in June, he will be full-time. We actually just launched a new show called The Rundown. It is going live every single day on all podcast networks, Spotify, Apple, Wherever you guys get it, Google, doesn't really matter. You guys can just type in Speak the Truth and you guys will see us on there Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for the next month. And then it'll be every single day after that coming June, like Monday through Friday. We just launched that show today. I believe it was the very first episode. You guys will get it about a day or so, maybe a day or two later on YouTube. So if you guys want to catch it the day of that it is filmed, you guys can over on the podcast networks, Spotify, Apple. I don't care where you guys get it. It'll be linked to the very top description. So go check it out. So today, you got me. I'm back at it, baby. This is my, uh, this is my mapping by the way we got red russia blue ukraine i draw this thing up every single day black lines are going to be your routes coming in kupians which you guys are looking at uh this is going to be the railroad route that comes in for the main logistical hub of this northern area of ukraine so the railroad bridge we spoke about a few days ago was actually destroyed by saboteurs within russia or it was carried out by ukrainian soft units it's actually been repaired the image you guys are seeing is, is clearly proof and it's fairly impressive they, they actually fix this thing within four days of it being blown this is one of those kind of things where we don't know exactly who did it i believe it could have been saboteurs within russia itself or it could have been really just a ukrainian soft unit doing working behind enemy lines so the russian foreign minister has actually said that the return of crimea to russia as well the independence of the dpr and the lpr are going to be established tutorial realities that kiev and other countries must recognize i do not believe that's going to be a thing it's the same thing as transnistria not a single country on this planet recognizes transnistria as being well a part of russia so the question I'm going to ask you guys, do you guys actually believe that Russia is going to stop and just take the eastern portion of this country, or are they going to continue and take Ukraine if they do take this area and it is recognized? My thoughts, I don't believe they're going to stop. I really don't. I mean, the whole world knew they were going to invade Ukraine, and yet they kept saying it was just a military operation training exercise, and guess what they did? So anyway, Sweden and Finland have now confirmed that it has U.S. security assurances if it applies for NATO membership. And of course, right when this news went live, shortly after Russia started playing a little bit more games in this side of the world and had a Russia M-17 helicopter breach the Finnish airspace and flew about four and a half kilometers into Finnish territory. For, for my Americans out there who are were watching or listening, that is almost three miles deep. I think it's 2.7 miles deep into another country's airspace. This wasn't an accident. It's almost like literally they're hoping to receive some sort of contact to engage back to initiate something much larger. I don't know why they keep doing this. Russia has actually been practicing nuclear capability missile strikes with simulated attacks in the Baltic Sea between Poland and Lithuania over the last 24 hours. Simulated missile launches took place in the area of Kaliningrad where troops were actually rehearsing firing missiles before moving their vehicles to avoid getting struck back. One of the main reasons they did this was to clearly, well, it was for photo op as we all do know, and also to evaluate the readiness and ability of the troops to react in the area to something crazy for some reason, they decided to use nukes, which I don't believe they're going to do. I really hope they don't. I hope the rest of the world knows that this is just a terrible thing. Which, matter of fact, somebody on Russian state TV is actually being so much smart. Where we're just going to talk about it here in a second. Uh, they have this one guy who's screaming about their ability to destroy the world with these tactical nukes. All right, so that's one thing we've, we've heard them say over and over and over again. And then you have this other gentleman who's talking about the fact that they can destroy any rocket attack that's coming in. Then you have a more reasonable guy. So I thought this was all scripted, but apparently it wasn't. You have a more reasonable guy that comes in and literally says, hey, wait a second. We've been hit in Belgorod and Kursk, and those weren't stopped. So go ahead and enjoy this nice, sweet Russia State TV video for y'all.
Мы Сармат продемонстрировали. Не просто так мы всему миру его показали. Мы показали к тому, что все решения приняты и мы готовы. Возможно, вполне удар тактическим ядерным вооружением. Я в этом практически не сомневаюсь. А Это последний, последний аргумент. Способы вооружения. И никто за Украину не сунется никогда. Чего, какое вооружение там не применялось? А тактическое ядерное вооружение, почему они его боятся сорвать? Я уверен, что наши вооруженные силы способны добиться целей, которые поставлены перед ними, без применения вот таких вот вещей, которые способны уничтожить планету. Дай планету, Бог, Алексей Дай Бог это. Не надо, не надо. Но что вы, не надо? Ладно, иностранцев вы пугаете, вы наших людей пугаете, жителей России. Мы раз... наших людей не пугаем, у нас есть уже система, которая даже перехватывает гиперзвук. Понимаете? Поэтому все будет нормально. Слушайте, у нас есть система, которая перехватывает гиперзвук, а нефтебазу, воинскую часть, часть по Белгородчине бьют чуть ли не каждый день, и в Курской области. Где там мы перехватываем? Не все мы перехватываем. All right. Well, this is apparently coming from a senior American official, by the way, just so you guys are aware of this. Uh, the United States has provided intelligence that has helped Ukrainians target and kill many of the Russian generals who have died in action in the Ukraine war. Ukraine is also claiming to have killed approximately 12 generals on front line, which I, pers I personally have only been able to confirm nine on this show. So only nine that I've actually personally confirmed. I think I've, I've seen up to 11. So 12 would be an additional one that I don't know about. But I'm not the end-all be-all. I'm just saying what I've seen. The United States is providing real-time battlefield intelligence to Ukraine, which is clearly another indication why the Russian movements in the eastern side of the country has been going a bit slower than planned because they're literally getting uh, intelligence that's able to anticipate Russian troop movements by extracting Moscow's secret battle plans for fighting that's occurring inside of the region. Yes, you did hear me correctly. That is how they are able to actually see what's going on in stopping any type of forward progress in the eastern side of the country. Now, they have had a little bit of progress, but they but Russia's military sizing going against Ukraine, they should have a tremendous amount of progress that they haven't been able to see. And China is actually currently conducting stress tests, by the way, to see how its economy will cope with and respond if the U.S. imposed Russia-style sanctions. Okay, apparently Russia's narrative that these sanctions on it are, are preclude to Western's economic warfare against China and are gaining some momentum in Beijing, by the way. I, I don't know this to be the case. Um, I, of course, am not in Beijing, but who knows what's actually being pushed over there. It's the same thing. They're allowed to push whatever kind of propaganda because they have no rebuttal that anybody's allowed to say. Uh, I would take this as an indication, by the way, there's possibility that China could be planning to invade Taiwan if it believes that the sanctions will not affect the economy in any sort of fashion, like any sort of way, which we know it'll affect it some, some, some way. But if it doesn't hinder their ability to actually push forward with that invasion of Taiwan, I could see that being a thing. So I found this handy dandy little infographic I would like to share with you guys. I'm going to put it on screen for you all to listen to podcasts. I will tell you. Don't worry. I'll tell you all about it. It will tell about the... Uh, how the arriving artillery systems from the West will be helping uh, ranging out or outranging, excuse me, Russia's big guns. So, by the way, the range of the Soviet-made artillery, you have the TOS-1, which has a range of 2.2 miles, which that's pretty far. Well, anyway, it's the MLRS system. 2.2 miles is mainly just to shoot just indiscriminately. A D-30 towed howitzer, which is 13.6 miles. And then you have an S, or excuse me, a 2S 
19 self-propelled howitzer, which is 18 miles. Okay, so those are all your Soviet era type stuff. That's what they've been using. That's what Russia uses. Then you have the NATO countries who have been sent over the stuff. You have the M777 towed howitzer coming from America, 24.9 miles. They also have extremely accurate rounds for these howitzers that can really hit a tank from 25 miles away. And then you have the Caesar. Okay, the Caesar self-propelled howitzers coming from France, 28.6 miles away 28.6 and this thing's even more impressive than what we have here in america for for the fact that this thing can fire six rounds a minute at 28 miles for an accuracy of target destruction radius of literally 50 meters 50 meters wide circle this thing is extremely accurate up to 28 miles away like six rounds a minute 28 miles, like, whoa, my God. Russia's defense minister said that the United States and the allies continue to flood Ukraine with weapons. I would like to point out, oh, my gosh. Now, he goes on to say this, by the way. He want, This is so goofy. He would like to point out that we all view NATO vehicles that arrive in the country carrying weapons and supplies for Ukrainian armed forces as legitimate military targets. Can I just point something out for you guys? There is not a single American driving any of these stuff across the Ukrainian border. We're not that stupid. That's not going to happen. I mean, can we, can we just be honest here? Is there really a, a United States citizen or military personnel that's actually transporting this equipment across into Ukraine? This was nothing more than an empty threat because we all know that Americans aren't physically transporting equipment throughout Ukraine. If that'd be the case, we'd probably see service members dying in Ukraine from artillery strikes. They would actually be physically targeting them. So, Okay. There's that. So Mariupol's advisor to the mayor has actually said that filtration camps set up by Russian forces outside the city have become ghettos where men are facing torture and forced labor. There's apparently three of these camps, three of these filtration camps. We've talked, we've actually spoke about these a couple times. They've been established east of the city of Mariupol in the, in the village of Bezemain, which is roughly 20 miles from the Russian border. And there's believed to be about 2,000 men who are inside this area. Um, they're going to be used for Russia's victory parade on the 9th, which we'll see here in a couple days. I'm actually somewhat curious on what Russia is going to do during this victory parade. Are they going to announce that they're declaring war on Ukraine so then they can actually use these, these troops, the reserve troops, which I don't believe the reserve troops are going to help them very much, to be honest with you. Right now, they can't even facilitate the amount of ammunition, food, and water, and supplies for their main army. I don't know how they're going to do with, with bringing up the reservist army. Um, this video also is apparently leaked from inside of one of these, not, not just one of them, but this exact filtration camp I'm talking about. And I only talk about them not being able to do the the whole uh, keeping up with their army thing if they bring the reservists in. A lot of people don't realize this. Back in World War II, it's going to throw something out there. They've been very terrible. That is the Russian military, the Russian government as a whole, when it comes to logistics. Back in World War II, they would have not beaten uh, Germany without United States help. And a lot of people may not realize this. The amount of stuff that we've given or we gave them, excuse me, inside of World War II to actually fight against the Germans is insane from food, water, tanks, ammo. I mean, everything down to not even knowing we didn't give them men or anything like that, but everything other than men to fight in the war. I don't know if a lot of people do know that, but this video is actually coming out of Belarus, an area it's actually just north of uh, Kiev, quite a, quite a bit north actually, in the town in the area of Mogilev, I think. Anyway, 
And from what I can tell, it's actually troop transport vehicles that are on top of trains, which you guys will see. And the passenger train is going to be holding what I would assume to be Belarusian troops. So we spoke about the fact that Belarus said that they would be holding a large-scale training exercise, and I do believe this is to keep some of the Ukrainian troops in the north part of the the northern part of the country uh, between Kiev and, and Sumy, and that that is just to kind of keep them on alert. Because just imagine if Ukrainian, uh, well, if Ukraine that is pulled these men out of this area and pushed them east, Belarus can actually push down, or Russia can actually push down. Because we know there's a, there's there is a bit of men still sitting inside of Belarus, kind of hanging out, keeping those troops kind of occupied inside of Kiev. So Russian strikes have actually destroyed and or damaged 15 Ukrainian fuel depots and a major refinery. And this has actually depleted a lot of Ukraine's reserve and destabilized the entire market clearly inside of this area. Uh, They believe that Ukraine's fuel supplies would actually start improving sometime in the middle of May, but recent strikes on infrastructure have been successful by the Russian military. We've seen them hit bridges, railways, fuel depots, ammunition depots all throughout the country over the last three or four days. Now, this honestly should have been something they did in the first few days of the conflict, not 70 days into the conflict. Just going to throw that out there. I may not be a military advisor, but I may have spent a little time in, inside of war, war-torn war countries myself, but we didn't have to deal with this. This was just a common sense tactic that you would think that you would have done out the gate. Infrastructure, hit it. Power, water, railway, bridges, everything. Smash it all. But they didn't do that at the gate. I don't think they have the capability to, to be honest with you. So, all right, we're going to move over to mapping. So, if you guys did not know, Ukraine has actually launched a massive counteroffensive in the eastern side of the country. Ukrainian troops have now switched to launching counteroffensives near Kharkiv and around the Izium area, which is a quite a bit of a deal. So, over here inside of Kharkiv, we're on the northeastern side of the city. So, we know that the town of Stari Saltiv was actually retaken and liberated by the Ukrainian forces. Now, it has been noted that there is an offensive pushing north. Now, this is another area of Rubizine, just so you guys are aware. It's not the one that you're talking about, which is over here, which is pretty much the same name. You guys can see right there, literally Rubizine, and then another one right here, Rubizine. Same name, different area of the country. But from what I could tell, they are assaulting north towards that, along with coming out of Ruski Tiski right here. I think that's how you say it. I probably got that written correct. Anyway, they're pushing north towards Lipsy. So if you guys can look as a whole, you have an assaulting element here, here, and another one that's moving roughly right here. They are clearly pushing the Russians back into their country. I don't know if they're going to be able to fully take it out, but you guys see this little X that's right here. So there is a bridge right here. So I have an overlay image you guys can see from an earlier date and just recently of a couple days ago. You guys can see that bridge has been taken out by the Russians that have been retreating into this area. I'm fairly confident. I know I don't have it shown on the map you guys currently see in front of me. I am fairly confident the Russian forces have been retreating and pulling back to get on the opposite side of this road. They need to hold the town of Ovchanks. They need to hold this. This is one of the supply routes that comes into the northern side of the country. So it's also on a main route, as you guys can see. So I believe that's why they are retreating, in a sense, is a tactical retreat, pushing their men back. I think they're going to pull back here and set up heavy defensive lines over here near Vovchanks. I do believe to be the case. 
Now, there is another bridge that is just north of the town. I believe it's not showing on my map right here. I believe there is a bridge roughly about right here. So there is one there, and there's also one down here, Sorry, Sativ, which I do know has not been blown as of right yet as I'm making this video to get across. Now, if they're able to push all the way through, I've said this in the past, I do believe that the Russians are going to have to shift some of their men from the eastern side of the country. They have about 22 BTGs worth of men right here, okay? I actually did see an indication that this is a, a correct number. Now, those BTGs worth of men could be 500, 700, or 1,000. I don't entirely know. So there's roughly 12,000 to 20,000 men right here, 22,000 men. It just depends on the strength of each BTG. Okay, I do believe that these men are going to have to push north. They're going to have to at some point. They're going to have to either push men north or they're going to have to shift more men that were inside of Belarus or inside of Russian reservists down to secure and maintain this AO in Kharkiv. They cannot lose this area. This whole area, yes, this whole area just drew that really nasty circle in. They're losing that area right now. And they're losing to a smaller uh, Ukrainian army who is, who is being much more effective in doing counteroffenses on these routes. So it's kind of a big deal. Okay. Now I, I do know down here in Izium, there's been quite a bit going on um, when when it comes to Russian elements actually taking heavy losses. There's been an element just south of Izium, by the way, that has seen extremely heavy fighting recently, and it's actually been the case. The Fourth Guards Tank Division and the Hundred and Sixth Guards Airborne Division has actually been sent back north towards Izium. Both of those uh, Russian divisions were down here near north of Bar and Cove, roughly in these two areas. They're roughly about here, or just so you guys are aware. Now, they have actually had to peel back and pu push towards Izium because they needed to refit and resupply with new men and ammo and supplies. They've sustained heavy, heavy losses. And if you're having to push back and regroup and refit, that's not a good look. That's not a good thing in general because that just means that, once again, I've said this many times, we talked about this yesterday, if you are trying to assault a defensively held position, you're going to sustain heavy casualties, and that's what's going on inside of these areas. Now, roughly through here, by the way, it's not up to date exactly because I, I do know roughly through here there is a Russian force that is somewhere pushed down all the way down through here somewhere. I don't know exactly, and I'm before annotating it on the map, I want to let you guys know that. Uh, I'm going to give it another 24 hours, but they have – they have been pretty successful, that is the Russians. They have secured a little bit more ground here just south of Yampol and are pushing across that main roadway, going down towards Slovenas, but they have not been able to cut off Slovenas and, and um, Morinkov as of just yet. I do expect them to try to push all the way across and then take all this ground over the next, I don't know, two weeks, three weeks, or a month. A lot of people think that this is not going to be going on for the next couple months. I think this, this conflict is going to be going on towards the end of the year. So we are going to move all the way over to Kirsten, which is all the way over here to this southern, southwestern portion. But I'm going to tell you guys right now, just out the gate, all along this line, nothing but heavy shelling. No ground has been taken by Russians and or Ukrainians. Same with here and down here in Mariupol. Nothing has really changed. But anyway, we're going to move over here to Kirsten. I have no idea why my map just did that. It's the first time it's ever done that. Basically just crashed. Now I will say, I can confirm now there's been a counteroffensive that's been successfully taken back in the town surrounding the areas of Oleksir and Dravika, which is down over here. I told you guys yesterday that there was an assaulting force that was pushing back through this area, was retaken by the Russians about a week ago. It's been re-liberated. Now also inside of this area, Ukrainian forces have been actually pushing out of this moving more north northeast back over towards Kirsten, which I have annotated. I don't know the exact location of these things because the Ukrainians are actually practicing a little bit better ops, operational security, OPSEC, and they're not actually allowing, they're not talking about it. 
They have they have said they've 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 liberated a handful of towns in moving back towards Kirsten. So you have two elements that are assaulting right now back towards Kirsten. If they are able to somehow take Kirsten and push the Russians out of Kharkiv, that'll be a massive, massive win pushing forward for the Ukrainian forces over the next however long this conflict's going on. I mean that that would be huge. We'll we'll have to wait to see. But other than that, thank you so much for hanging out with me over the channel. I do love you guys. I am out.